get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. It is the Season 5 finale of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN. On iTunes, the tsn1050.ca show page. You can watch along live on twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac Live. And we've been delivered by Domino's all season long. So big shout out and thank you to Domino's Pizza. And to celebrate that, I'm giving away some Domino's Pizza today, folks. This is what you got to do. If you follow on Twitter, at AndyMC81, that's step one. Step two, follow on twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac Live. You do that. If you subscribe, you get Five bonus entries. End of the weekend, we're going to give a Domino's Pizza Prize giveaway. But let's kick off the show. He's done it for five seasons in a row. Our Iron Man, our leadoff spot dude, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Hey, by the way, I think this makes us legitimate now. It didn't Parks and Rec go five seasons? If you go five seasons, that's... That's when you know you made it. Oh, yeah. I think then, too, in like the, the TV world, you get put in like a syndication. That's when you really start to make the money. I, I don't know if we can put oh, old. Does that, does that mean <laughs> get tenured and, and we're unfireable and we make lofty six-figure uh, salaries each year? Is that uh, Travis, I think, as you know, for uh, in, this, in this industry, nobody's unfireable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think we've all learned I think we've all learned that over the last little while. But it would be nice. We'll start like replaying like four years uh, old hot takes or something, right? And just see see if we can get paid. I don't know. I bet you can find some really good and really bad stuff back. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, let's get to it here. Want to maximize our time with you, Travis? And it's still there's still about a what a solid month of hockey to go. We got the conference finals starting up. Got the Stanley Cup finals. And throughout the year, a lot of our questions can be boiled down to simple predictions of how you thought things would carry out so let's continue that give us your take on both of these conference finals why you think either the Bruins slash Hurricanes or Sharks or Blues are going to be lifting the Stanley Cup in about a month's time I, I will say this um, this is like nerd heaven for uh, <laughs> a, a the semi semifinals and the reason why is you know for as unpredictable as these playoffs have been and the first round was as unpredictable as I've seen in quite some time and I think most people would agree at, at the end of the day You've got four of the seven or eight best teams by scoring chances, possession time, shot differential, whatever you want to measure it. Uh, you've got four of the eight best teams in there. Um, and the, pretty much the only two big exceptions to that rule were Tampa Bay and Vegas. Mm-hmm. So Tampa Bay, Vegas, and Calgary to a lesser extent. Um, so, you know, it, it, as unpredictable as round one was, we're looking at a final four here where you've got four very credible teams. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, I, I am most fascinated by – the fact, you know, Carolina, when they are, Carolina at its best owns the puck and will outshoot you 60-40 every single night. And what I'm really interested by is if you look at their regular season performance, I wrote about this on Thursday, uh, they, they tend to struggle turning those big shot differentials into goal differentials against better puck possession-based teams. Uh, now, some of that seems fairly intuitive. You have the puck less, you're going to score less. But what's interesting to me is – their shot differentials don't really um, draw down against these quality components, uh, quality opponents. It's actually the ratio in which they turn them into scoring chances and goals. So better, more structured, more capable teams, teams like Boston, for that example, do a better job of pushing a puck-dominant team like Carolina uh, to, the, to the exterior and to the perimeter uh, more frequently than your average and run-of-the-mill NHL opponent. Uh, I think we saw that in pieces in Game 1. I think the run of play was fairly balanced. Uh, Carolina looked really good in the second period of that in Game 1. Um, but, again, that, that is about as close a matchup as it gets. I, I think Boston 
is probably a slight favorite in this series. I mean, we do have the benefit of knowing they won game one. Um, but they, they still, the, the, the big advantage in this series, even all other things being held equal, is I'm going to take two Garask, who may be the cons, my favorite at this point, well, over Carolina's tandem of goaltending. Uh, so that, that's kind of where the Eastern Conference sits. The Western Conference is fascinating from a different perspective. Uh, you got two of the three best possession-based teams out in the West um, playing in the conference finals, uh, Western Conference final. And uh, the the piece here is you've got two teams that had well, one team had unbelievable, maybe a decade long of goaltending questions in St. Louis, and you know they they finally found their guy in Jordan Bennington, uh, who has been probably the number one reason for their big turnaround from the first half of the second half of the season. Um, but you know, kind of lost lost in that discussion would be. Hey, by the way, the goalie we were killing two weeks ago, and in my opinion, reasonably so, and had been killing all season long, uh, Martin Jones, who had been outplayed by pretty much every one of his peers across the league, had was pretty strong in, in the Colorado series. And uh, you, you have a situation here where, again, two teams that are reasonably comparable and equivalent, uh, equivalent uh, at five on five and across different special teams groups, but you've got these massive goaltending questions um, for both teams. You never know when Martin Jones is going to regress back to his normal ways. Um, and Jordan Bennington, for as good as he's been, he's still a wild card, right? I mean, he's still yeah. a very immature product in the NHL, and we're still trying to get a feel for what he is or isn't. So, uh, <laughs> as vague as this is, I, I think a lot of the series is going to come down to. And you could probably say this for most series is which goaltender is going to get the better edge of the other goaltender. Um, the, the, the the fascinating thing to me in this series is our confidence in either goalie either being really good or really bad is incredibly broad and incredibly <laughs> wide. We don't really have a good beat on either. So um, again, I what I, what I'm fascinated to see there is really the Bennington versus Jones head to head there. In conversation with Travis Yost of TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Join me on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Okay, Travis, let's look off season here, and specifically to the Canadian teams. And there's going to be plenty of change, right, uh, as most off seasons. But for the Canadian teams, working off of the impossible assumption that each of the seven Canadian teams will make the appropriate moves this offseason, which we know won't happen, is Toronto still the top <laughs> dog out of all these Canadian clubs? Or where do you see kind of, because I, I see kind of Toronto-Winnipeg kind of as a 1A, 1B. Or, or, or heck, throwing the C with Calgary at the season they had. Who do you think coming out of the summer could potentially be the top Canadian team for next year? Oh, uh, I, I think it's Toronto, but I, I got to be honest. I'm going to put Calgary above Winnipeg at this point. Okay. Um, there, there is nothing, there is nothing from the second half of the season onwards in Winnipeg that gave me confidence that they are a Stanley Cup contender anymore. I mean that they, that that reversion that Winnipeg had, um, basically starting in January and really never ceasing through the first round of the playoffs. Uh, they, you, when you play 45 games of just objectionably bad hockey, uh, that, that's that's not a that's not a blip or one menial data point. That is usually indicative of a real underlying issue. I, I know Jets fans have their gripes with the front office. I know they've got even more gripes with the coaching staff and and how they kind of deploy their talent around the lineup. But um, I, I, I think Winnipeg is much more at risk for where they sit next year, especially in a division where, you know, Chicago's getting a really good pick and they actually have cap space for the first time in history. Uh, Colorado <laughs> looks like Colorado is, is as well situated as anyone to take another jump this year. Uh, that, and, and St. Louis isn't going anywhere and neither is Dallas. I mean, that, that division is really, that, 
that division, that two-year run where it was like, eh, the Central kind of sucks, uh, I think that's going to be going away pretty quickly, and you're, you're going to see the Central kind of return to the top of the pecking order, which does lend itself well to kind of Calgary um, being in that 1A, 1B mix with Toronto. But, again, you know, for, for as much as we talk about Toronto and as much as we – uh, in, at least uh, for me, and I think it's probably true for most people, love the construct of their roster and, and love how they think the game and the love they, way they play. I, it, again, they've got to win a round in the playoffs. Yes. I, I, it, it, we, we will be sitting here in almost it, – it's almost a certainty. Unless they somehow win the division and get a crossover matchup, it's almost a certainty they're going to be playing Tampa Bay or Boston next year, round one. Right. The playoff format has not changed. And until they show that they really have an edge in that series, which – would start probably with getting home ice in one of these series. Uh, that I, I, you know, Toronto might have the best team, but when you're talking about, it's a different question of best team versus you know who who can actually push through the furthest because Toronto has not shown that they can beat either of these teams in the division. And and again, they have, despite having a talent advantage over the other Canadian teams, and in some cases considerably so, they've also got a lot of contract stuff to figure out. Yes. I mean, Mitch, Mar- Mitch Marner is staring down the barrel of a $9, $10 million contract. They've got to figure out what they want to do with Jake Gardner. If anything, he's going to be expensive, whether it's in Toronto or elsewhere. And if Jake Gardner leaves, I, look. Who replaces I, I him? Jake Gardner's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, I know Jake Gardner's not everyone's favorite defenseman. I personally like Jake Gardner's game. I think he's a first-pairing guy, no doubt about it. But if he leaves, go look around the league. It yep. either has to be via trade, it has to be via trade, or it's going to be some free agent that you're going to try and push further up the lineup than he probably deserves to be playing. I mean, there just isn't a lot of guys that can replace Jake Gardner one-to-one. So really, really critical summer this season for Kyle Dubas and the Leafs. No doubt. And another critical summer is with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we all, hey, the front office, they were bold. They were fun at the trade deadline, Travis. They made all these deals. But now you pay the piper, right? And you have on the top 25 free agent list on tsn.ca, in that top, what, five, three of them are Blue Jackets, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne, two or more, all, all could be out the door. Uh, what do you feel that we're going to see this Columbus Blue Jackets team do? Is there a scenario where they can keep this going, or are we looking at a total nosedive next year? Um, I, I think they're going to make as hard a push as any. Uh, to keep Matt Duchesne. Um, and uh, for a guy who's talked a lot about, I just want a chance to win, and for him having a little, just a little taste of that, and for him clearly exceeding or, or, or excelling in that lineup uh, in Columbus, especially post-trade deadline, uh, I, I think they have a shot to lock up Duchesne. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, there's, there's a negative, can you have a negative 1% chance that Sergei Bobrovsky is going to stay? I mean, I just read was Aaron Portsline, or I believe someone in the Columbus area said he's now he's got the house stuff for yeah. I mean, the, the cards the cards have been the cards have been shown yeah the cards have been shown for Bobrovsky for quite some time so he's out the door Duchesne they're going to make a push to, to to really try and lock down uh, the big question mark is the bread man uh, I I don't <laughs> think Columbus can get can grab him either um, and you know the, the the question that you know and and this is what's fascinating about just roster building and and player targeting in, in all sports leagues is, you know, six months ago, it seemed like Artemi Panarin was guaranteed to be heading out the door of Columbus. And you always wonder, like, oh, does a push deep into the second round of the playoffs move the needle even an inch? Does it move it a foot? You know, mm-hmm. it, what, what, what does that mean? Does it, does it draw a player who at this point in his career probably wants to win more than anything? Does it draw the player to maybe think twice about, hey, what do we have here? And 
would this make sense for me? So, again, I, I, I think it's more likely than not that both Panarin and Bobrovsky are out um, and that they really push hard for Duchesne. But, I, you know, I'd be fascinated to know where Panarin's head's at right now on this. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, fascinating to follow the Blue Jackets in this whole offseason. Travis, man, oh, we say it at the end of every year and every week. It is an absolute pleasure to chat with you, man. And you know what? We'll be doing some stuff over the summer on Twitch as well and get uh, have some fun with some of your other hot takes. Thanks so much, man. All right, man. Take care, Andy. All right. See you later. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Got to follow him on Twitter at Travis Yost. We'll step aside and we will look. Big picture and a little Maple Leafs talk, too, with Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and Roto World. That is next on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back and rolling on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you get us on Twitter at AndyMC81. You can follow along on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. And giving away a Domino's pizza today, folks. Giving away pizza because we're feeling good. We are delivered by Domino's. Here's all you have to do to enter. You give me a follow on Twitter at AndyMC81. Check and give me a follow on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. You follow there. You follow on Twitter. If you subscribe on Twitch, you get five extra bonus entries. Winner will be announced at the end of the weekend to win a Domino's pizza prize. Let's bring in for the final time this season, it's our guy Gus Katsiris from Roto World from McKean's Hockey. Gus, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, absolutely. Um, now let's. You know what? Hey, we give out credit where it's due here on the show. And on Roto World this week, before the conference final started, you explained how the Hurricanes' awful power play and the Bruins' exceptional penalty kill could mean special teams would be the difference maker in this Eastern Conference Finals. And hey, you know what? Wouldn't you know, Bruins' power play was the one that made the difference in Game 1. Bruins lead the Hurricanes 1-0 in that series. Based on what you saw in that game, how do you expect Carolina to keep up with Boston and try to make this a series? Well, I mean, from a power play perspective specifically, I mean, Carolina, uh, the concept on Roto World is a little bit, it's almost um, the opposite effect uh, here. Boston really came out in game one and, and took it to Carolina. They gave them 7.83 minutes of power play time. If you're going to give a Bruins seven or more minutes of power play time on every single game, you're definitely going to get burned. And the power play for the Bruins has been so potent this, this postseason. They're shooting at 25%. You know what I mean? A lot of that, though, had to do with the Leafs bad penalty killing. They let seven goals in in the first round and only three versus Columbus. So, uh, And they even had more power play minutes versus Columbus and they only allowed, uh, sorry, they only scored three times. So the, the fact here is Carolina has to limit the amount of time that they give the Bruins on the power play to kind of somehow kind of stay in this series. Um, the Roto World article talked a little bit about how uh, Carolina's awful power play, and it's been downright awful, um, is going to be further 
uh, challenged by a very, very difficult and good uh, Bruins penalty killing. So special teams could essentially be uh, the defining factor of this entire series. Um, and it kind of shows in game one, it could swing in either direction in any particular game. Yeah, and if, boy, here in Toronto, Gus, as we know, hashtag anyone but Boston, right? So we're all Hurricanes fans, baby. We're all Hurricanes fans now. Uh, now let's look at the West here, and things seem pretty tight between the Blues and the Sharks. This is a, looks, at least at first glance, is a, a real pick em. Um Given that this is our season finale episode, how do you think the Western Conference Finals is going to play out? You know, this 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 is probably one of the most difficult series. I mean, um, San Jose beats Colorado without Joel Pavelski. He comes back in Game 7, a little bit of heroics. So you have to give them a little bit of an edge getting such a player back um, after not having his services. Um, the Blues, they're, they're definitely going to be facing a little bit of a weaker goaltending than, uh, than Ben Bishop in Dallas. However, the Blues have zero power play goals in three go- in the three last three games, and they've only scored once since Game 1 against Dallas. They desperately need that power play to keep going. Um, San Jose scored one power play goal versus Colorado after they scored eight, and then that famous four-goal span in Game 7. So it, it's funny because they both scored so well at even strength, and their power play can kind of be hit and miss one way or another. Um, that, again, could become one of the defining factors of this series. So uh, the fact that they they really track so well at five-on-five, five, um, it's almost as if it's just a given. A fluke goal here and there could be the one, uh, the deciding factor in a game. Or, similar to Carolina and Boston, special teams could distinctly be that defining factor. Um, I have a lot of less confidence in Martin Jones than I do in Ben Bishop, so I think that you have to give goaltending the edge to uh, to the Blues, even with what Jordan Biddington has done. So, uh, overall, I kind of think that the Blues have what it takes to overcome the Sharks, especially we even bringing back Joel Pavelski. So I think that the Blues will win in six games. Um, six, six, I like it. Even a game pick. Nice. All right. Yeah, yeah. It, if... And I should have made a similar prediction with Boston and Toronto. Um, the team that is going to win that series will win it in six games. So if San Jose is hmm. going to win the series, it'll be in six. If St. Louis is going to win, it'll be in six. I don't think that they go to that big seventh game. Carolina and Boston, I think, go to seven games. I think that they're so evenly matched and they can kind of play their own styles um, that they could eventually kind of take it all the way to the limit and make it a game seven. Hopefully a nice quadruple overtime just for the entertainment value. There too. <laughs> quadruple, yes. I like it. As long as I don't have to cover it, I like it. Uh, and- <laughs> conversation with Gus Katsaros on Twitter at Cats Hockey. Cats with a K. Uh, McKean's Hockey and Roto World analyst there. Again, at Cats Hockey on Twitter. So, Gus, let's get to the Maple Leafs chatter, right? Wouldn't be an episode of TSN Hockey Analytics and talk with you without a little, little Leaf talk. And this week it was announced Travis Dermott out for six months after shoulder surgery. That comes on top of Zach Hyman, who we knew was out six months with that ACL surgery. John Tavares brought home from the World Championship with an unknown amount of time how long he'll be out with an oblique injury. Given the changes that we expect in Toronto, not only due to injury but due to free agency, should Kyle Dubas maybe value trades more this offseason than previously thought? So it, that's a bit of a difficult question because mm-hmm. to me, I think what Dubas's job is actually to look at the long term. What is going to be the perfect viability for this team to be a contender over the longer period of time? Um, the issues that they're dealing with now with Hyman and Dermott and, and potentially Tavares, those are kind of short term. So I can see how they may be able to fill in roster holes um, using internal solutions or even if they had to, depending on the degree of the injury, perhaps do something at least on the trade market. But I don't think that it should change any of the, the 
strategy that Dubas had going into the uh, the off season. I don't think that any of these uh, items really really change that course of action dramatically enough to say, hey, no, I need to do something different. Um, I think if they stay the course and just essentially work their game plan, they should be better off in the long run. Um, and if the situation is really that critical, I don't think that they need to address it this early in the offseason. They could always figure something out either closer to training camp or in preseason to be able to fill a temporary hole if re- if it's really needed. Um, so that, that's kind of how, how I think the offseason should play out. In conversation with Gus Katsaros on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Uh, Gus, with McKean's uh, hockey, a lot of your work is focused on the NHL draft. So when it comes to this year's draft in June, how deep of a class of prospects is it? And what is the defining element of this year's group of incoming talent? So um, I'm actually not really involved a lot in the draft side. That's all uh, Ryan Wagman, and, mm. and he's our director of scouting. So... Um, they take care of a lot of the drafts and draft eligible content there. But from, I just want to address the the depth of a of a draft. It, it seems like the question is always, well, how deep is the draft? Mm-hmm. And and I think what you end up getting is, and and there have been lots of analytic studies based on this as well, where you have a certain tier of players that are available within, let's say, the first five players. It's not necessarily five, but for an example, let's just use that. Um, And and let's say those five players are stars. And if those stars... after that, it's a distinct drop in the level of talent, but not necessarily to the degree that they not um, they have the different kind of potential to be uh, pretty good players. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you start getting past pick number 10, and once you start getting from pick number 11, 12, for the, the, the degree into which these players kind of differ really doesn't make that much of a difference. So even players between 10 and 20 could be similar to the attributes that players are chosen in between 20 and 30. And then going into the second round, now you're starting to dilute and, and, and players start to bleed into each other. So sometimes I feel what you're looking at for as far as depth is how deep a draft goes is how many really good, solid players can you get from that number 11th pick to the end of the second round. That's where I think that you're going to end up getting the best value for your, uh, for your drafting. And that's why I kind of see teams try to, try to move up in the draft to get into that kind of soft area. Um, after the third and the fourth round, now you're kind of looking at projects and players that you need to develop through your own mechanisms to be able to make viable hockey players. Um, or you're stacking down your AHL teams one way or another. So I think depth is always a matter of perception. Um, but for the most part, there's always an elite type of player that is right at the top of the draft. Then there's a big group of players that are kind of similar in qualities, and it's a matter of who you want in one particular slot. Um, and that could vary team to team and need to need. And, and that's kind of how I think depth goes generally in any particular draft. Great stuff, Gus. And again, thank you so much for all your contributions all season long on TSN Hockey Analytics as we uh, are wrapping up Season 5 today. So really appreciate you, man, and keep up the great work, and we'll, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you all, everyone, for the opportunity to kind of be here every week with you guys as well. Oh, been, been, a, been a real pleasure. Gus Katsaros, McKean's Hockey, Roto World. Follow him on Twitter, at Cats, Cats with a K, Hockey. We'll step aside after the break. We'll go to at Charting Hockey. Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs, next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. (laughs) 
Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics Season 5 Finale here on TSN 1050. TSN 1050.ca on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN Analytics. And of course, make sure you follow and watch along on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash AndyMac live and we're saying our thank yous and goodbyes for this season at the end of season five and we welcome in our guy from hockey graph sean tierney sean how are you man doing well andy how are you doing doing very well sir and hey you know what we're we're down in the home stretch now man right like it's it's conference time conference finals and we're almost there so before we dive into any other topics let's start with the the series at hand in the conference finals and the west certainly feels like a coin flip between the sharks and the blues Bruins look to have that edge, especially after Game 1 over the Hurricanes. But as we know in these playoffs, there's there's really no such thing as a, a sure thing. Can, can you tell us how you expect these two series to play out? Yeah, I think you're right. It, it's been really, and this playoffs has underscored it more than the past few years, it's really tough to call which way these series are going to break, especially because we lost a couple of our favorites right off the bat, losing Calgary and Tampa Bay in the first round especially. So, you know, we've had that element of true unpredictability, which has been, you know, fun, especially if you weren't too invested in one of those teams that went out. Uh, I see the series um, kind of the way you were you were setting it up in my uh, series predictor. I have San Jose as about a 51-49 to 49 over the Blues to take it, which, you know, you're looking at a coin flip there, two very good teams that are lucky to find each other. Right. And then I've got Boston and Carolina as a little bit more of that edge. I have Boston as a 56 percent to take it over Carolina's 44 um, and that sort of flies in the face both of the the fandom I've adopted as we've gone through the playoffs of these hurricanes and Kane Twitter's been you know very good about letting me know I've been wrong twice betting against them so far <laughs> in these playoffs and so I see especially now that Boston's got one game up on the hurricanes that's a, a difficult spot to be in already uh, and I expect Boston to probably be able to take that series down they have played all all playoffs have been great uh, and they've had supreme goaltending, which matters a lot this time of year. Then in St. Louis, you know, we'll get a look uh, tonight at what we're dealing with. And I see that one as being able to go either way. I expect San Jose is the deeper team and they can probably take it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see St. Louis, you know, get some of that magic back. They've both been kind of poor in the playoffs, honestly. So they're kind of lucky to run into each other. One of these teams has to move on. Yeah, yeah. And that's that story, I, I just cannot get over still what the St. Louis Blues have been able to done. Like, Sean, they should be worn out by now. They've been playing playoff hockey since January. Worst record. They've been playing for their playoff lives for the entire calendar year of 2019, and they're still going. It's just absolutely crazy to me how that's, uh, that's gone over. But, hey, they keep marching along. Um, one overarching theme I want to get into uh, is the idea of the underdog. And there, uh, Pierre Lebrun of uh, TSN and The Athletic argues that given the amount of parity we've seen in this NHL, playoff run there's really no such thing as an underdog do you think this idea is becoming more true year over year that there is more parity because i think like sean during the regular season there wasn't much parity when it came to like the tampa bay lightning and calgary flames right like like tampa bay was running away with it but playoff time what do you feel about the parity versus underdog conversation I really like that debate, and it's something that um, you know Pierre has pointed out, and it's been a topic of hockey Twitter debate too. What is parity like if you look, mm-hmm. you know, sort of against other leagues, and and we have the NBA playoffs running side by side with us, and and Michael Lopez does uh, has done some very interesting research on this. In the playoffs, you expect the best NBA team to win something like two thirds of the time. Usually, you can mm-hmm. figure out where that's going. 
uh, in basketball, just with the nature of the game, the best team is, you know, likely to win. When you're looking at hockey, it's just above a coin flip that the best team prevails in a playoff series. And so um, that's not true just this year. That's, you know, looking sort of historically that, um, you know, hockey is a sport where teams get hot. There is a lot of parity at all times. And, and an underdog maybe doesn't really truly exist other than the fact that we sort of number them going into the playoffs with their playoff seed. So I do agree with LeBron that the underdog doesn't exist maybe this year. It maybe doesn't, you know, super exist at any time, even if you look at something like the Hurricanes versus the Bruins, which is the more heavily favored series right now, even if you've got Carolina at 44 45% to win it, if they play that series 100 times over and over and over, Carolina wins it almost half the time, even you know, even just the way we've got it predicted out. So, yeah, I think parity is, is definitely running rampant, not just this year, but you know, throughout the NHL over the past few years. And for fans, especially if your teams are yeah, that's the fun of it, that you don't know who's going to win, and so any team can win, and, and that keeps it interesting as we get into, you know, late May hockey. Yeah, it really does. It really, And that's been the story of this NHL playoffs. Unpredictability. Joining me on the Domino's Pizza delivery line, Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey, and make sure, folks, hey, this weekend, it's it, don't cook. Go, go to Domino's, Domino's.ca, delivery, carryout, large four-topping pizza for twelve ninety nine, or how about you order unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just seven ninety nine? You get a hundred of these things if you want, as long as you order a minimum of two, seven ninety nine unlimited medium two-topping pizzas only at Domino's.ca, desserts, you know about the Marvel Cookie Brownie, I've been telling you about that for like three years now. Uh, try it all out at Domino's.ca. All right, Sean, let's shift from... The team angle to the individual angle. And ever since last week's episode where you selected Tuka Rask as your goalie of choice for the playoffs, your boy Tuka, he's, he's backed you up, man. He's played really good. Um, now with the elimination of the Avalanche, we lost our clear Conn Smythe favorite in Nathan McKinnon. Has Rask played well enough to lead the Conn Smythe race to this point, or do you have somebody else in mind? Yeah, Rask has made me look pretty smart over the past week. Yeah. Where I sort of backed him publicly, and then he, you know, has continued to get even better than he has been. Uh, I think the cons, my, my one takeaway right now is that I think it's really up for grabs, that there is no clear favorite anymore. And I think, you know, there's two series left, and there's lots of time for that hero to still emerge kind of from what we have left with these four teams. But I do think that Rask should be at the head of that race. If he's not leading it, he's right there. I was updating my goalie shot maps this morning and looking through, and Tuka Rask leads all goalies, as he has for a couple of weeks now. He's up to 10 goals saved above expectation. So uh, Boston has been giving up a little bit more than average, actually, in terms of quality chances against, which is a little out of character for them. They've given up about 2.7 expected goals per game, just slightly over average for what we would see in all situations. And Rask is only giving up about two goals uh, you know, facing that quality. And so when you get a goalie who's saving you game after game, saving you a goal almost per game the way he's going, that gives your chance, your team a chance to win every single night that they shouldn't have had. So, yeah, I love Tuka as a cons my favorite. And, and if he can, you know, sort of spin a little bit more of that magic as they play against the Canes and maybe keep it up a little longer, I'd love to see him get it, especially because Rask hasn't always had complete support among uh, you know, sort of Boston fan base. There's questions, is he as good as Tim Thomas? Is he the kind of goalie that can win another cup for us? All that sort of thing. You know, he's that goalie right now, and I would love to see him, you know, be in that conversation as the playoffs wind up. He deserves to be there for sure. 
And Sean, we have on twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac live in the chat room, Tash Cash calling her shot, saying Sharks win the cup, calling it. So we got a, a, a Sharks call. Who, like, let, let, let's just, a, a real quick hitter here. You said Boston to get there. Can we have a, a, a cup final, a, a winner prediction? We won't hold you to it because we don't even know the finals yet, but this is the last show. So what, what's, your, what's your prediction? Yeah, so, okay, I would say I, I see Boston getting through. I'm going to go with my prediction on San Jose to get through, too. I'm okay. not sure if I agree with the commenter. Once I do the numbers on that, it, it, it probably will give the edge just slightly to San Jose, especially if Jones can continue to look like the goalie he wasn't in the regular season, which is he's been a good goalie. So, uh, yeah, I see a Boston-San Jose final, and then maybe Thornton gets to throw it in uh, Boston's face as he huh. wins the cup with the Sharks. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, wow. What a finish to a career that would be. Man. No kidding. Uh, in conversation on the Domino's Pizza delivery line with Sean Tierney. All right. Uh, as I said, season finale. Let's get into some off-season chatter here. Which team are you most intrigued by over the summer months? You got the Columbus Blue Jackets, who could lose all three of their top free agents and go from a, you know, a, a team that could have got to the conference finals to out of the playoffs with their unrestricted free agents. But are there other teams that you're interested in seeing how they may change and adjust in this offseason? Columbus is the big one for sure. I can see a situation where all three of the big names that they brought in looking or and had on the roster at the end with Panarin, Bobrovsky, and then bringing in Duchesne, even Dezingle to some extent, they could be a team without all four of those players going into next season, and, and that's going to really change the makeup of that roster, especially because Bobrovsky has been one of the top goalies in the league, and Panarin was you know, fantastic this year. So you're looking at a team that was maybe lucky to go on the kind of run they did in the playoffs and then losing all of that sort of top talent. That'll be big for them to figure out, you know, what does that roster revamp look like? For me, I think the two teams that have kind of been in the headlines over the past week, you have Detroit bringing in Iserman, and you have Edmonton with Holland. I'm really curious to see how they try to make their stamp on their team. Detroit actually has quite a few prospects that um, project well using some of the data that we have, sort of some top-end players that, you know, maybe if they're ready to come up right away, Detroit looks a lot better in that division, maybe quickly. And then in Edmonton, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about what Holland brings and, and what his track record has been over the past handful of seasons. You know, does he look to make his mark on that roster? Can he find someone to play consistently with McDavid? Is McDavid healthy, you know, when they come into the season after the way his year finished too? So I'm very curious to see how the Red Wings come, how the Oilers, what they do with their off seasons. And then I think maybe a, a sort of underdog interesting story is San Jose, which has a couple of really marquee players with Carlson and Pavelski. And, you know, what moves do they make? Do you bet big on defenseman like Carlson, who has, you know, some serious injury past to be concerned about? And Pavelski, you know, getting into the twilight years of a career, what does that look like, too? So definitely watching Detroit, Edmonton, and then San Jose. I think those roster moves are going to really tell maybe a different story next year than was told this year. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. And let's finish on this point. We're going to get into this more to wrap up the show. But Frank Cervelli uh, of TSN.ca has his top 25 free agent list for the offseason. And as I said, yeah, three of the four, the Columbus Blue Jackets, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Deshane. Um, and if, if we keep it to the top 10, can you give me another player that a team might want to put them over the top. And what I what I personally hate, Sean, from back when like we were kids, where before the salary cap stuff, when it was like it, you could actually do fantasy trades and signing without having to have an accountant beside you. Say, I want this guy or trade for this guy. And it was, it was fun in that sense. Now, unless you have all the numbers in front of you, you almost can't do that. 
because it could, well, there, there's cap restrictions. So it takes a little bit away. But if you're looking at a top 10 guy from that list, who can be, okay, if, if Team X adds player Y, watch out. You're so right, Andy. So when we were kids, you could watch the Leafs and Rangers. Right? And you could imagine every free agent was going Everybody. there, and they could do it if they wanted to. Yeah. And now you've got to be a capologist to figure out what's even possible. I think, you know, I say this all the time, and it's not, again, I'm king of the unsexy opinion, but when you're getting into 27- and 28-year-old players and you're looking at the long-term contracts that you're going to have to pony up to get a Duchesne, Carlson, Skinner, Panarin, etc., you're looking at a player who's already peaked, and we know this from you know good research, especially Evolving Wild, a good follow on Twitter, um, have shown that as a player gets to the 28, 29-year-old season, they're already done uh, you know, improving, and they're starting that downslope of their career, and you're paying them for it. So I think a team would be really wise to look at those free agents, get excited, and then sign no one. And that's the really unsexy opinion. I think if I'm picking a player that I would go into. Duchesne was the leader among all of those skaters in that sort of Sierra Valley list uh, in terms of wins above replacement value. He had an amazing season. Carlson and Skinner uh, are three players that were all above 15 goals above replacement, so about uh, you know three or so war each. So those are players that I would be you know interested in if I was going to go spend that money. And then Tyler Myers is a name that's been sort of kicking around lately. As uh, is he a, a person that can solve a team's need on a blue line? He actually rated out as a negative wins above replacement player, which means you would be just as well off to take the best AHL defenseman you have in the minors and bring them up, and they would be a better producer than Myers. So wow, um, right, exactly. And he doesn't necessarily have that kind of reputation yet. So I think that's a mistake just waiting to happen. He's that big defenseman. Uh, he has some name value, and a team might go and lock this player up, but really have hurt themselves when all they needed to do was promote their best farmhand. So uh, I'll be interested to see which team is ignoring all analytics and, and inks Myers to a long-term deal. And, and if I had to bet on somebody who might be the best impact, it's probably uh, maybe a Duchesne or maybe a Skinner. And, and I love Eric Carlson, too. So even with the injuries, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy you – you get into a long-term deal with anyway just because of all that he can bring when he's on the ice. Awesome. Well, Sean, it, it has been an absolute pleasure having you uh, so many times on this season for TSN Hockey Analytics Season 5. A must-follow. Guys, I must-follow. I can't stress enough on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Love the job you always do, breaking it down and making the analytics, the underlying numbers, relatable and, and why you're interested in them to the common fan. So thank you so much, brother. And we'll, uh, Hey, you know what? Season 6 will be here before we know it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a, a real pleasure to talk hockey with you all season, Andy. So looking forward to season six already. Have a good summer. Absolutely, brother. You too. There he goes. Sean Tierney on Twitter at Charting Hockey. We will step aside and come back with a little bit more of a deep dive on the top 25 free agent list from Frank Saravelli on tsn.ca. We'll get our takes from it, Gino Reda's takes, and kind of go over what to expect this upcoming summer. That to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics next on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. 
This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. to wrap up the Season 5 finale of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the future shows or go back and listen to the other ones on iTunes, the TSN 1050.ca show page, on Twitter at TSN Analytics. And as you know, we're delivered by Domino's. Folks, you can get a large four-topping pizza, $12.99. Check out the side dishes, cheesy bread, marbled cookie brownie for dessert. And because it's the final episode, I'm giving away some Domino's pizza, baby. Yes, this is what we're doing. All you got to do is, is click follow, on Twitter, at AndyMC81. Follow me there. Also click follow on twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. Twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. You follow on both of those. If you subscribe on Twitch, make sure you tell me your username there. You get five bonus entries. I'll make the draw this weekend. So that'll be very cool. Uh, listen, this is getting to, okay, if your team's not in the, not in the playoffs still, we're looking ahead to the summer. We're looking ahead to free agency. And Frank Saravelli on TSN.ca, we chatted about it on and off throughout the show today, put out the tw- top 25 free agent list. So from a Maple Leafs perspective, I chatted with Gino Retta from TSN's That's Hockey a little bit earlier. Out of the 25, the top 25, do the Maple Leafs have a shot at any of these Big name free agents. Listen, could they? Would the Leafs love some of the names on this list? Hundred percent. Could yes. they afford them? We were just talking about the finances, though. Given their situation right now, mm. no, they got no chance at getting a whiff of anybody on the top twenty-five of the list. Remember, these guys are all pending unrestricted free agents. Right. Nobody becomes a UFA until July first, and then there's a week of negotiation, but before then, where you can actually talk to these guys. So, a number of these guys probably will never make it to unrestricted free agency. They'll get re-signed by their current right. teams before the extend. There's also restricted free agents. But there's a lot of guys there that I am convinced not only will make it to July 1st, but will move. I really, really 100% believe that Bobrovsky has played his last game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay. There was that animosity at the tail end of last year. And yes, he had a good run this year. And yes, Tortorella tried to say how he has finally accomplished what he needed to accomplish. I get all that. But Bobrovsky's, you could tell in the exit interviews, Bobrovsky and Panarin were both talking about how much I really enjoyed my time here in Columbus. I want to thank everybody. They pretty mm, much said past tense. So to have three of the top four right now all from one team yeah, is pretty amazing. That's... It's pretty amazing what Yarmo Kikalainen did to be able to bring those two guys together, bring in Duchesne and hanging on to Bobrovsky and rolling the dice on Panarin and not letting them go. So that that could cost them and very well likely, very likely will cost mm. them. Um, and they're going to go through a major nosedive. But he did what he wanted to do. Yeah. He gave his team a real shot, uh, real close to making it to the Eastern Conference Final when they had never won a playoff round in the history of the franchise. They took a major, took a major shot. step, and now they're going to pay the price over the next couple of years. Yeah, you got to appreciate it. So do you, do you think it's a, a good chance that all three could be gone? Like, they could have adios to all three. Yeah, I'd be shocked. if I'd be shocked. I would, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'd be shocked if any one of the three resigned. Because each one of the three is looking and saying, I know what this team is going to look like because uh, everybody's on the way out. And by doing that, they're also yeah. on the way out, which is just the they're, self-fulfilling prophecy of it. They're all of the age. None of them are young enough, and nor would you be to become an unrestricted free agent. They're all of the age where this next contract, long-term, they want to sign. It's going to be a big, fat money contract. Yeah. And it's also going to be where you're going to be for the next five to eight years. So you want to give yourself a chance to win. Yeah, they can't resign for eight years anywhere except for for Columbus. But so five to seven years, you want a chance to win. 
And Columbus is not going to win. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen. Scenario. Unless somehow Kikalainen can sign all three. He shocked us all <laughs> by making it happen to keep the two and then right. bring in Dezingle, who was kind of quiet, and Duchesne. Um, it would be earth-shattering if he could re-sign them all. And I, I'd be completely, completely shocked if they did. Well, producer Sean Lavery back there uh, said that uh, Sergey Bobrovsky's uh, condo in Columbus has gone on sale. Yeah, hit the, the market. Like I say, Sean, I, you know, the, the, you could just tell by the way they were talking. Yeah, past they were tense. saying, "I just, I've enjoyed my time here. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun." There was all kinds of tension between them and the coach. Uh, and Duchesne knew he was there going as a short-term right. project. He has no intention of living in Columbus the rest of his life. No, no shot. He's he's on the move. In studio with me, Gino Retta, host of 7-Eleven, That's Hockey, talking free agents. The top 25 free agent list. You can check that out from Frank Saravelli on tsn.ca. So they're all going to go from Columbus, potentially. Yes. Where are some landing spots? Artemi Panarin, ranked number one. Then you got Bobrovsky, three. Duchesne, four. Where are some, some possible spots? Eric well, Carlson's out there, too. I'll tell you what. Um, if, if I'm a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes right now, I love what I'm seeing currently on the ice. Right. And usually when you get to the final four, a number of things are true. It's your team has now come of age. Uh, your team is pretty much maxed out to the cap. Your team's window is closing on your future and where mm-hmm. you're going. The Carolina Hurricanes are the antithesis of all of that. They're still quite a young team mm-hmm. with some brilliant young talent. No one expected them to be where they are right now. They've got by far the most cap space in the entire NHL. This could be a tremendous landing spot right now for a Panarin, for a Duchesne, uh, for, we didn't mention Eric Carlson in the top of the list there. I'm not suggesting the Carolina Hurricanes like to spend money, but they've got by far the most available cap space. Hmm. To, to be able to do that, uh, they've got some re-signings to make in the offseason. Um, other teams on that list, the Montreal Canadiens have a ton of cap space. They could certainly use that market. They've made it real clear that they're really even not going to start building for another three years. They're going to allow that things to settle. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Colorado Avalanche are also there. They've got, yeah. they've got 11 schmill. They've got 11 schmill in cap space. Now, they've again, they've got some UFAs and RFAs of their own that they've got to re-sign. So that's going to change anything. But... This is, this is the parity now to the next level. Because now what you've taken is the teams, the haves, who can't afford to re-sign their UFAs or their teams aren't willing to sign with those teams mm. can go to a lot of the have-nots. Because the have-nots have a ton of cash. And now all of a sudden you say, if we add one or two players, maybe we could be that wild card wonder sure. next year. So the, the fan bases now can become believers in a lot of different cities. There you go. And the... If we look at some of the other free agent scenarios involving Canadian teams, okay, look like look how how the Canadian teams could change. Tyler Myers, Winnipeg Jets defenseman, number nine on the top twenty-five list. Alex Edler, defenseman, huh, number eleven. Boy, he'd look good in the Maple Leafs uniform. They can't afford him. Jake Gardner with the Maple Leafs, he's fifteen. Kevin Hayes of the Jets, centerman, number seventeen on the top twenty-five list. Uh, you go again. Boy, the Jets have a lot of. Ooh. Jets could get, uh, things could get pretty ugly there. You got Brandon Tenev, of, of defenseman for the Jets, number 22. And Ron Hainsey bringing up the rear, number 25 of the Maple Leafs. So, again, you look at the Maple Leafs. Do I want Ron Hainsey back if I'm a Maple Leafs fan? No. But if I lose Hainsey and Gardner, that's going to be a problem of who you get to replace him outside of a trade because of the cap situation. And, folks, i got to tell you about this as well. Uh, Toronto Food Tours 
is sensational. I've been gushing about this here at the station all week. I went, uh, my birthday's next week. I went on a, a birthday urban whiskey tour of Toronto. Behind the scenes, whiskey tunnels and all. It was phenomenal. You're a tourist in your own city, but they have Mother's Day tours. They have a brunch tour, St. Lawrence Market, Old Chinatown tour. Like, Je- Chef Scott is the man. He organized it. You get food, you get drinks, you get experiences. It, take your mom for Mother's Day. Don't just get her flowers. Experience. It is memorable. It is great. TOFoodTours.com. TOFoodTours.com. I cannot recommend it enough uh, to Toronto Food Tours. So I want to give a big, big thanks to producer Sean Lavery. This guy does so much damn work on this show and around the station. He's humble, and he does a just a phenomenal job. So, Shawnee, you are the man, brother. He has done such a great job on this show. Thank you to all our guests all season long, the regulars, Yost, Katsaros, a Tierney, uh, Scotty Cullen, uh, everybody coming in, um, Myrtle Siegel from uh, on and off throughout the year. Just a great, great time. Thank you so much to all of you. Make sure to follow on Twitter at AndyMC81 and the show at TSN Analytics. We will see you soon enough for Season 6. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto.